soothing sounds of Joey Cleveland. Never gets old. Joey, great job on that one, buddy. That's what G said podcast. Welcome again, folks. Thank you for tuning in to listen. April the 30th, 2019, a big show. Really a huge six weeks coming up for That's What G Said Podcast. We'll have the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. This We'll have a lot of Kentucky Oaks talk on this podcast with the Kentucky Derby coming up on a podcast that we'll release tomorrow night. We'll also have, obviously, the Preakness and the Belmont two and three weeks after. We have the NBA playoffs coming on right now, NHL playoffs. I'm not a huge NHL expert, so next week when we start bringing in guests, I will bring some folks in to talk about uh, the NHL playoffs and what's going on. We have baseball. You're going to hear a lot more Dodger discussions and discussions where we kind of bounce around the uh, MLB and NFL draft just happened. Teams are starting to get settled now. You kind of know what your roster will look like for the upcoming season. Lots going on in the world of sports. Oh, yeah. What about Game of Thrones? We'll be talking about the final three episodes of Game of Thrones still to come. Today, we'll also talk about episode three of Game of Thrones that we saw, that epic Battle of Winterfell. Whew. I will, I'll say, folks, I was up from the moment the Kentucky Oaks, the Friday Pass performances came out on Monday. I was down, sitting, getting ready, starting to look at those. And I can promise you when, when we uh, sink our teeth in them a little bit later on, when we uh, win or lose, it's never because of a lack of preparation. Always prepared. I can promise you looked at every single replay. There are probably very few people who watch as many replays of the card for Friday than I have. And looking through the charts, trying to figure out what the pace pr- pr- pace will be. Uh, price is always the key, too, when you're doing your handicapping. So, uh to give you an idea of if you want to maybe skip ahead to some of uh, the other segments in this show, we will talk major spoilers, Game of Thrones, very soon. NBA quick check-in, just uh, looking at what's going on in the current playoff rounds and some uh, some predictions. And then the full Kentucky Oaks preview going through all, uh, well really, the, the first 11 races on Friday. All the races prior to the Kentucky Oaks, I myself generally don't play the races after the big ones because I'm usually either all in or I've made my money. I spent so much time handicapping the earlier part of the card. I know these horses well. A lot of the exotic wagers end in the the Oaks or the Derby. So um, I'll focus in on all the races leading up to the Oaks and I'll do the same with the Derby, all the races leading up to the Derby. This weekend though, uh, before we jump into anything, how was your weekend? For me, Got to go to the old St. Luke's Fiesta down here in Temple City. I was a St. Luke's Catholic schoolboy my whole life from kindergarten through eighth grade. It's just literally at the very end of my block. And we have the weekly or the yearly fiesta where they have all the rides and the carnival games and the food boost, big fundraiser for the school and the church. So got to go hang out there with some of my buddies, Joey Cleveland. Who sings the song? Joey was over there. We went on the the Sizzler. Was a little bummed that uh, that it was kind of a, a quiet night there at the at the Fiesta. Not a not a, a big crowd like it used to be years back. I think the school has gotten a little bit smaller through the years. But hanging out with the uh, with the lady friend Stephanie, she was there. And then who else? See, Justin was there with Mason and my buddy Justin with his little his little son Mason. And then uh, Art and Lisa were there with AJ. So. Nice to see some of my friends there, but uh, 
wasn't wasn't party time like old. Just a few few glasses of some wine. The the wine at the and when I went up to get was a beer or wine. I'm not as much of a beer guy, and you know, for me, I I drink more hard alcohol. I'm Jack Daniels, Captain Morgan, uh, Jameson. I'm good with, but beer. I think it's because I'm I'm a little smaller. But if I have a couple beers, two or three, my stomach gets full. I don't even really want to eat that much, and then I I never really get. I don't know, drunk. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just kind of get full and lazy when I'm drinking beers. So maybe when, like only occasionally when it's like a really hot day and that just crisp beer tastes good or uh, maybe some beer pong back in the day would, would, would play, but not as much of a beer guy. But it was fun to get down to the uh, the old St. Luke's Fiesta, which we uh, get the chance to do every year and uh, have a little a bit of nostalgia. And then actually I got to see my other buddy Jason Castillo hung out with the Castillo family with Ivy. Also, and uh, they brought their pups over. Jason's uh, been my best bud since kindergarten. Uh, he lives out in Vegas, so I don't get to hang out with, with Jace all too often. But they came uh, back for the weekend, and on Sunday night went back down there, had a little dinner, and we uh, we went on the zipper. Which whew, if you're ever at a carnival and you see the zipper there, it's a ride with some get up. Make sure you haven't eaten before or haven't had the drinks before you try to go on the zipper. The thing will hum you around. I can I can promise you. And, you, you get in one of those carts where you're going like three or four consecutive circles, boom, 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 boom. That, that was that was some fun there. So good to uh to catch up with some friends this week. Also went with my girlfriend Stephanie on Saturday night to see a live showing of a podcast. It was a podcast that I I've only heard bits and pieces of before. It's called Terrible Thanks for Asking, and it's actually really really good. Um, it's this woman named Nora Borealis, and she has just dealt with so much hardship. Um, so to give you, when you look at her website, it says, bummer alert, a few years ago, I miscarried my second baby, lost my dad to cancer, and then my husband Aaron died from a brain tumor all within weeks of each other. All really sad stories, um, but they are not only sad stories, they are love stories, and life stories and sometimes even funny stories and she writes uh, about her experiences and and so now her podcast a lot of the times is when she interviews people who have had other uh, hardships and dealt with other hardships and she talks about what she did before and after and how she was able to get through those and uh, it's intense I'll tell you it's heavy but it's it's worth checking out it's worth listening to if you ever have see one of the shows uh, live if you're someone who's dealt with hardships it's actually kind of um um, a little therapeutic. It it's nice to nice to share with others and know that other people are uh, are dealing with um, not similar things, but that other people have dealt with things and been able to get through it. And you see positives. And she's she's doing great. She's got a great show. She's got um, a couple books, and um, she's a very very good host and funny. And she has a great presence up on the stage. So it was a, it was a good live show. It was just. I walked out. And I said, "Stephanie, it's so I'm sad again. It's just intense, intense for a, a Saturday night, but but worth it and very interesting. So something uh, I'd recommend checking out. A couple other shows that I checked out based on many of your recommendations. Brockmire, oh, so good. I got through the first two seasons of Brockmire, which you can check. Uh, you can watch on Hulu. Hank Azaria stars as 
an old-timey baseball announcer that would just get drunk in the booth all the time and go off on these rants. And if you're a sports fan, you really love it. You don't even have to be a sports fan, but if you're a sports fan or a baseball fan, really check it out. Um, Good stuff. You get to see a lot of Joe Buck is amazing in there. Tim Kirkchen's in there. Like a lot of the real baseball writers, reporters, announcers, they're in there playing themselves. Uh, They have great cameos. Really good watch. Worth it. Also got into Broad City. It's okay. Not 100% my style, but I thought it was pretty funny. Um, And then the Mindy Project, also watching that one right now. So I'll report back more on the Mindy Project as we get through a few more of those. April 30th, 2019. Let's go to onthisday. Onthisday.com is a good website where I get some of the, the history or the major things that have happened on April 30th. Throughout history, how about 1789, George Washington took the presidential oath of office and was officially the first elected U.S. president on April the 30th. Uh, In uh, 1812, Louisiana was admitted as the 18th U.S. state. 1938, Happy Rabbit appeared in the cartoon Porky's Hair Hunt. Happy Rabbit is Bugs Bunny. So we got to see the first sighting of Bugs Bunny ever Back in 1938, Happy Rabbit, who would later become Bubs, Bugs Bunny, one of the, one of if not the most famous cartoon characters, you have to say, right? Right up there, probably with Mickey Mouse, maybe second or third behind uh, some of the Disney ones, but Bugs Bunny. 1939, Lou Gehrig played his 2,130th straight game, and it was actually the final game he ever played for the Yankees. He took himself out of the lineup, and then remember a couple months later on July the 4th, he gave the famous speech uh, on his appreciation day at Yankee Stadium. Uh, today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. 1952, Mr. Potato Head was the first toy advertised on television. Very cool. Mr. Potato Head. So just a little on this day segment this week. Okay, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, Game of Thrones. I'm going to talk some Game of Thrones right now. If you did not watch Game of Thrones this week, Game of Thrones, episode three of season eight, do not listen to this part of the show. Skip forward because I'm going to talk about what happened. Wow. Okay, first off, if you are someone like me, I didn't read the books, so I'm not... I don't have a lot of the like like super innate knowledge that some of the other um, a lot of you do if you read the the books and you have a, a lot of backstory. So for me, um, I'm you know I, I'm just watching it as someone who watches the show with with very little back knowledge. So I need help, and a lot of times I get that help from the ringer with uh, binge mode or hashtag talk the thrones. They do an immediate post show right after where they explain just so many things. It's awesome. But what I end up doing is when I'm watching the show, I just write down as it's going my like thoughts, boom. And then I kind of go back afterwards. So some of my thoughts, the hound scared, but out of nowhere to help Aria. And how about brand Theon? Everything you did brought you where you belong home. There were a couple moments when brand, and Theon shared, and you got to see Theon kind of getting the uh, the affirmation, I think, that he always needed. How about when they go into battle and they come back and the look on Jorah's face, right? He's just scared. You see everyone's scared. The first 10 minutes of the episode, how many words are even spoken? 
It's so eerie. It's so intense. There's not even any words. You just see everyone preparing for the battle. Everyone's getting ready. But the look on everyone's faces. We see Arya just so badass. Dragon Wars. Fire doesn't kill the Night King. The Night King raising up all the recently dead. So now you're fighting your own men and women that you've just lost. Now they are against you. The uh, the dead Starks being raised in the crypts. How about Jor out of nowhere to save Danny? Theon doing work there, guarding Bran. And then Brienne and Jamie watching each other's backs. The interactions with Sansa and Tyrion were great. And then Arya! When I listened to some of the post-show with David Benoff and D.B. Weiss, the executive producers and the writers, they were talking about how they wanted you to forget about Arya. They kind of wanted you to forget that she ran out. They didn't want it to be John that killed the Night King. Um, because John was so central to so many things, they wanted it to be somebody else. And it, it was a big victory for the living, but at a great loss of people. We've now seen Jorah, Lyanna, Mormont. How about killing the giant? I mean, that was unbelievable. Beric saving Arya, uh, Theon, Ed, the Red Woman, and Viserion, the Night King, all gonzo. Kind of going back to the the uh, the episode and and where it, where it goes. It begins with everyone getting into the places, you know, and the dragons are overhead, and they're they have their plan. They have their plan of attack. And Melisandre comes out. She lights the Dothraki sword. She's just a sneaky, sneaky reason why things went so well, right? She comes in. She lights the swords. She lights the um kind of the barrier, the surroundings, and she gives Arya that little nudge that Arya needs in the end. So she plays such a huge role in this final episode before she she uh, dies. And we see the Dothraki, they basically, they're gone. They're basically wiped out as the front line, and that's what triggers Danny. Dan- Daenerys sees this, and she can't really sit and wait the plan. She gets a little trigger happy, and she jumps the gun a little bit, and that's what kind of causes the plan to go off Um we see John uh, in these battles a lot of times. He he's on the winning side, but many of the times it's not quite because of him. Now he, he was saved by Arya this time. He was saved by Sansa previously. We've seen uh, help with Danny helping him uh, previously too. So while he's brave and not afraid to die, he is definitely not the I would say not the most tactical, uh, the best tactician when it comes to to battle. But one-on-one combat, he's just so studly. And then the snow blizzard that just makes it hard for the dragons to see. It's cold. Uh, they're bumping into each other. They're bumping into things. What I liked about the episode is they really checked in well with every character all throughout, right? They check in. They check in with Arya here. Sam's here. John's here. Danny's here. Theon and Bran are over here. Uh, you see Jamie and and Brian and Brian here. I I love the. That where you're bouncing around and really just getting a, the perspective from every different one. And when we're watching Arya in the library, when she's sneaking around quietly, it's amazing because you're you're getting the sense that we do not know who is going to die. We We don't. And it could be any of these main characters at any moment. Which is what makes this show so... Gripping, right? There's not a, there's very few dull episodes. Um, the last two seasons, there've been some where they have to do a little bit more of setting things up for maybe the next episode, but we see, 
ones like this. Now, with all that being said, there wasn't any of the top, top, top tier people that died, right? We we didn't see John or Danny or Arya or Sansa or Tyrion or Bronn. Theon, Theon was a big one. Jorah obviously was a big one. Those hurt, but whew, right? I, I've gone back and watched it. I'm going to have to probably go back and watch it again and again uh, a couple more times because this was an 80 plus minute episode that was basically like you're watching a movie and it was excellent. I, I thought, I heard a lot of people that didn't like some of the way things happened, but I thought it played out very well and I like giving it to Arya. Um, so from from what I know, I'm just watching the show. I, I enjoyed the episode quite a bit. Um, let's see, Theon and Bran. Yeah, Jamie. We got to see Theon, Bran, Jamie, Brienne, Sam, John, Danny, all in trouble. And really, of all of them, it was only Theon. Like it looked like a. There were moments where we thought all of them were gonna go. Any of them could have gone. And so now, with the dead being defeated, what is or does John even have like a right? Now, his claim for a while has been let's team up. We have to the Night King is coming. Now that this is over, what is John going to be passionate about? And what it, what will things be like with John and Danny now? Now that John knows he is actually the rightful heir to the throne, does he want it in any way? Cuz we've never seen John really want the leadership and want the power. He's only kind of reluctantly taken it when he's been thrust into power over and over. Whew. Would love to hear from you folks. Send in some of your thoughts. Uh, tweet me. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter. On Facebook, send me a, a, po- a tweet. Send me a post or, uh, on Instagram or a meme. G. Bacola. Game of Thrones. So damn good this week. Just a quick check-in with NBA, because by the time this is out, there's already going to be a couple games being played, and so I won't talk too much about um, those series in particular, but... Quick check-in. Philly tied it up. Now 1-1. Philly's playing Toronto. Jimmy Butler, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. And Philly wins a game where they only got 18 points combined for Embiid and Simmons. And they still win. We are seeing Kawhi Leonard taking his game to the next level. There have been words and reports that he wants to be in that conversation for best in the world. And people forgot about him the last couple years because of his injury. And then even this year, very good. But he... Didn't play a lot of back-to-backs. He sat out a lot of games just for rest. They wanted to have him fresh for the playoffs for this reason right now. And he looks fresh. 45 points in Game 1. 35 points, 6 assists, and 7 rebounds in a loss in Game 2. We've also seen a rising of the next new star in Pascal Siakam, whose last five games have been 21 points, 29 points, 24 points, 16 points, and 30 points. When the games have slowed down, he has been a go-to player, and he has been just behind Kawhi as the number two guy on Toronto and now well ahead of Lowry, who just really seems to be kind of uh, playing a true point guard there and not really scoring or uh, or having the burst that we've seen from Lowry. But maybe that maybe that's better for Toronto in the long run. I still will pick Philly in seven. In this series, a lot of it depends on Embiid. And how interesting is it now when we look at each of these series, all of the free agents, what happens if they, if this team loses when one of their key players becomes a free agent in the offseason, does that mean they go? 
So with a team like Philly, Jimmy Butler is a player who's been rumored with the Lakers. I actually wouldn't mind Jimmy Butler. I know he's had um, some issues with being, I guess, disgruntled with other teams. But if you bring him in and you pay him, I think he's been disgruntled because other players got paid in front of him. He's likely going to get a max. He's going to come in and be a big part of your team. He's going to be playing right next to LeBron. Um, I, I like what I've seen from him in the playoffs because he's one of those guys that... I want in crunch time. He can play both ways. A good defensive player also. He can shoot the three. He'll get a big bucket. I like Jimmy. Uh, And then what if Toronto loses? Is Kawhi going to stay? He didn't want to be in Toronto, but this has been a good situation for him, right? Why would he leave? Unless they, they get knocked out really in the second round, then he says, okay, maybe it's not as good of a situation because maybe this team still isn't better than Boston and Milwaukee and Philly out east, I'll at least go where I want to go and go live in LA. Which he reportedly now, the Clippers are the team that Kawhi is rumored to quite a bit. Celtics up one nothing, and they beat the crap out of Milwaukee in game one. It was a combination of Boston playing very good defense and Milwaukee just not showing up. I don't think you're going to get that kind of a an effort again from Giannis and from a couple of the other role players on Milwaukee that were just horrendous. So I'm expecting a big bounce back from Milwaukee. I do think that Milwaukee will win that series still in six. I picked Milwaukee in six. I think it was just a little bit of a wake-up call going from playing Detroit in a series to playing a much more battle-tested Boston team who, you know, through all the issues that Boston had through the regular season, they've looked I don't know how great they've looked against Indy. They looked very good against Milwaukee, but they've been winning, and that's all that matters. You don't have to look good to win in the playoffs anymore. You just have to win. And so while I've not liked what I've seen from Boston, they can go up 2-0 on the road. They really, really take the horns in that series. Denver actually uh, surprisingly beat Portland in Game 1. I did I maybe just kind of off the momentum from the game seven win against the Spurs. I did not like Denver at all. I thought the Spur I picked the Spurs to beat Denver. Uh, I just don't feel like they're the strongest playoff built team. I, they have a lot of question marks. I I think Jokic is amazing. Zero knocks on him. But then after Jokic, I'm always wondering who's going to show up. If Jamal Murray is a little more consistent, then that's a huge help for them because then you know you have a guy like Millsap who will do the dirty work for you and you'll get a Barton or a Harris to fill in and you get you know one or two of your other bench pieces to fill in. But it, it's really key on Murray. Jamal Murray, I think, is a big X factor in this series. And you know what you're going to get from Lilliard. Cantor's been very good for Portland. And then uh, McCollum's kind of the other X factor because he didn't have that great of a year shooting-wise. So he... I like Portland still in the series, and it's a little bit more of just not liking Denver and just thinking that um, we'll see a game or two where Damian Lillard can really carry Portland. And then the Rockets-Warriors. Wow, this is going to be... The Warriors up game one. Uh, Warriors win game one. Just a ton of controversy, fouls. We heard after the game, the refs uh, mentioned that there were a few calls that they missed that should have gone the other way and that would have benefited the Rockets. And there's all the talk about James Harden and the way that he plays. He gets so many free throws and so many foul calls, and he gets the benefit of the doubt so often in the regular season. That doesn't happen in the playoffs. And, And why is that? 
why does the way that he is officiated in the regular season change in the playoffs? Now, I don't like the the I think Harden gets too many calls in the regular season and not enough in the playoffs. I think it's actually kind of strange. It, it there just has to be a little more consistency. Whatever it is, if you're going to call it, you know, if you're going to be harder on him for his kind of flopping and his searching for fouls, then start that in the regular season. Don't give him the benefit of the doubt every single time. There are too many times when nobody touches him and he get, he's at the free throw line in the regular season. And then he's getting mugged sometimes in the postseason. But I will also say, he they, there was a study that was we just saw from Scott Van Pelt. He reported when Harden's wide open shooting jumpers, he goes straight up and straight down. When he's being defended shooting a jump shot, he will jump into you. So there's just so much gamesmanship going on here. Harden's trying to play the referees, I think, a little more than he's trying to play the game. And that's what I I think frustrates a lot of us when we watch the way Harden plays. Because he's so damn good. He doesn't need to he doesn't need to search as much. He can shoot, he's deadly, and he's he's awesome. So with all of this happening, it's only been one game in the series between Houston and Golden State after their big series last year that went seven games and that was back and forth. I am guaranteeing there's going to be a fight in this series, no doubt about it, with Chris Paul and PJ Tucker and Draymond. Somebody is going crazy. There's going to be a big, big skirmish of some sort uh, in the next couple of games, but mark my words, it's just, I'm sure all of you who are watching are probably thinking the same thing, because I don't know how long this goes before uh, before it gets a little bit out of hand with all of the, the stars, the big personalities, the big egos, and just the the officiating um, quagmire, I guess, with, with the way this series will be officiated now. wanted to uh, remind you folks, it is Kentucky Derby week. So right now is the perfect time to talk horses with your friends, the people around you. So get to calltopost.com. Call the number two post.com. Sign up for free membership. If you go to the website, you can click on um, sign up for member sign up. It's free to sign up. And then once you sign up, you will get the instructions and the link into the Slack channel. I signed up the other day. I'm in the Slack channel. And what you can do is if you have any questions about a horse in particular, anything to do with a race coming up or anything at all, you can ask the group. Someone might know in the group. We'll help you out. I'm in there. Um, you, if you know a question, we'd love you know your help in answering it. And mainly, you get to talk with other horse players. Like when you're at the track. Hey, do you like this horse? Do you not? Is this course a good enough price? What do you think? Um, back and forth, and it's it's just a lot of fun to be able to be in a community with other horse players where you could help each other out, have fun, and hopefully make some money. Also, you will have access to fantasy horse racing leagues and three handicapping tournaments where you will compete for prizes. Call the number two post.com. Get to call to post.com right now. Highly recommend it, folks. Okay, Oaks time. Let's jump into the Friday. Make sure you get your Friday past performances out. We're going to go through uh, races 1 through 11, race by race here. And we will start on Friday. Race number 1. It is a starter allowance. Three-year-olds going a mile on the turf course. 
From the inside, Handsome Harry, his last start, he broke well, but he took back. He got to the rail. It was kind of a nice sustained rally. No real knocks on him. I, he's the type of horse who I wouldn't talk you off, but I just like others a bit more. Should be able to save all the ground from the inside again. Um, the Deuce Croupies Pizza Dom, lightly raced. He just lost to Valmy Now, who has won three in a row, including a $60,000 stakes. And Croupies Pizza Dom was tracking on the inside in third, was about four or five lengths off, loomed up, was loaded, just had nowhere to go, couldn't angle out. By the time he got some room, he had flattened out a little bit. I think he's one of the contenders in here. So I, I will. I think uh, I have him placed in the fourth spot, but I think it's a pretty evenly matched group for the most part. And what I do when it's evenly matched or when there are horses that I don't see a whole lot in between, I'm always going to put the better price on top. I think that's what that's what we have to do in, in horse racing. If you don't love a horse that's a short price, you have to look elsewhere. If you love a horse that's a short price, just single them and move on, or maybe you don't even bet that race. You have to be okay with understanding that there are some races that you lose and you still made the right bet. So um, the, the real wagers that I'll give you today too are uh, pick fives, and then I'll, I'll give you some horses to win. In each race, but the pick fives I think are the the fun race uh, wagers to get involved in on the big days and um, the lower takeout. You give yourself just a little bit better opportunity. Off sixes is the three. Was getting a great trip. Was in the clear uh, most recently while Casaringo was waiting for room. But when that one was able to sneak through on the inside in between horses, off sixes was only good enough for second at Oakland Park. Now it's to go first time turf. The dam was a two time winner on the grass. And this one is a half to Mr. Mardi Gras, who is a six-time winner on the grass and earned 414000 Carte Blanche. Probably going to give you some early pace in here. Uh, I don't love that you're getting, you know, two months off after, you know, five and a half months off. Eh, not a whole lot of grass in the immediate family. So for me, not necessarily one that will be on my tickets. Tom last, Tom's last general. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tom. I think he broke well from the inside. He battled for the lead. He he shrugged off um, a couple of challengers, and he just got nailed late. And this was at Keeneland on April the 11th. He was actually really warm and sweaty and lathered up that day all over his neck. He actually still ran well. And he beat three of today's rivals in that April 11th race. It was a wicked bad beat. If you play Tom's last general to win, just got pinned right on the wire. A man called Bodie will be the top selection. I just thought his race when he dropped down was visually very impressive. I don't know how strong the group that he beat was. And I don't know... If he will be able to kind of step up and produce that effort But visually, I thought it was so impressive That I'm going to give him some opportunity um, with At a little bit of a price to step forward So a man called Bodie, who is 10-1 to 1 on the morning line I, I probably don't want to take anything less than about 6-1 to 1 If you're going to try to make a win wager on him He was way out of it early He's going to green towards the back of the pack But he made a big sustained rally Widest of all, it was very impressive and, and then he won a stretch battle After being You know, way out of it And then sustained rally I thought, you know, he had every right 
to fade and run second in that race, but he really dug in late. So a man called Bodie will be on all the exotics tickets and the early pick five tickets for me. Gigging. I just, I, when I look at gigging, I, I say, who is he? His lone W, he got a great trip sitting just off the pace in a race where they did not go very fast early on. And now he has to go first time on the grass. I just have a more question marks and more questions than, than I have the answers to with gigging. Luck of the draw, second off the short break. He wasn't bad. He was right behind Tom's last general. Uh, he was bumped a bit, some traffic early in between mid-pack, angled out with dead aim, but he just couldn't get by Tom. I just thought Tom was better uh, in that race, and uh, luck of the draw could have a little more bottom with the, the recent race under his belt, but it's like a few others more in here. Co-worker, first-time gelding, co-worker, off the claim for Brad, first off the claim for Bradley, and the first time gelding, and uh, he was winner when he dropped down, dropped back down to the maiden thirties. He pressed. He was just outside of the leader. He was half length off a slow pace, but it was just a pretty easy trip. I don't expect him to get a similar trip. Firewater Jake was four wide into the first turn, three deep. He loomed up. He challenged for the lead, but he just had nothing left at the top of the lane after a very wide trip. At Keeneland, I think you can put a line through that April 11th race for him. He was actually the betting favorite that day, and uh, I think plenty of opportunity for him to bounce back. So for me, six ten five two is the the uh, the way I have this race in order. I have a man called Bodie on top, uh, Firewater Jake, and Tom's Last General, and Croupy's Pizza Dom. Move on to race number two. Um, I'll give you the uh, the Suggested tickets at the end Really I'll just give you a couple pick fives I'll give you the early pick five, the late pick five And then you could see the way I'll play the pick five And if you want to play yourself, pick fours, pick threes Or use other, other horses But mainly you can get an idea of How I rank the horses in each race And, and how I'll be playing them in uh, in Some of my exotics So, Second race We have the uh, Allowance optional claimer This one is for fillies And mares, three year olds and up Six furlongs the distance Anathila broke well Got to the rail, battled for the lead It was okay, she finished behind uh, In a stakes race, and that was back in November Behind a horse named Lake Pontchartrain Who you'll see in a couple of the other running lines That's an 18-time winner, a multiple stakes winner Who's earned 529000 It's kind of lukewarm on uh, On Anathila I do think Ostruck has a shot In here, was up close inside Was always within a few lengths He... He got a great opening on the inside um, He just missed Second, he was chasing lone speed So for the last 8 But his last win did come Her last win did come here At Churchill Downs And if you look She has faced better In You know, many of her races since then I, I think it's tough to really be too hard On her for the 0 for 8 recency After Moon or Alter Moon is you know, likely pace here. She was good early on in her career. And her biggest career win was down at Gulfstream Park, and she actually did beat Older that day as a three-year-old. And then she came into the Chad Brown barn, and she tackled Graded Stakes Company a couple times. Really, all four of her races against Graded Stakes Company have, haven't been good. This is not a Graded Stakes race, so she should get a little class relief in here. 
but she's another one you kind of scratch your head and I and I wonder, okay, probably get some speed with Brown with Javi Castellano jumping aboard. But I don't love her. She does come out of a very productive race on October the 20th with three next out winners, Shamrock Rose, Blamed, and Amy's Challenge. So it was a very good race in the Raven run that she was well defeated in. And she obviously is going to get a lot of money with with the connections. She'll probably be a tough horse to leave out of the early wagers, the early pick five, uh, but I wouldn't be betting any win money on her. Day by day... um, she drew the rail last time out. The rail didn't help her any. Once she started to, she took back. She really just couldn't come on again. You know, you see a lot of times the horses are on the inside and they have to kind of shuffle a little bit or they have to try to take back and angle around. And, and sometimes you just can't come on again. She was okay for a well-beaten third day by day. Upset brewing would upgrade her in the slop a little bit. As she was a winner in, at the slop and fairground. So remember, if it's raining, which Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be raining both Friday and Saturday. So I'll just try to mention horses who will be upgraded if it rains because it's so hard to just project and predict if it rains, are these races going to come off the grass? Are these horses going to get scratched or not? So I'll just pretend like it's, you know, I'll handicap it to be fair. I'll talk about everything. And then I'll just mention, okay, you know, this horse, like with upset brewing, if it rains, you probably want to upgrade her a little bit. Magical is the wild card who I'll I'll put on top because she comes into the Steve Asmussen barn for the first time. She hasn't raced since July, but she has enough speed to be close early in here. And I don't think there's a ton of need the lead speed. And with the fact that she's cutting back from mile and seven furlong races, I think she could have a little bit more fitness. She comes out of a couple really good races. She was behind the aforementioned Lake Poncha train, who's an 18-time winner. Also a horse named Keep Your Distance, who, when Magical defeated Keep Your Distance, Keep Your Distance went on to win four of five in, uh, in decent races, too. Optional 35, option, not two, optional 50s, not really low-level races. Magical, right on top. I think quick enough, to have the positional speed, get yourself in a good spot, and hey, if nobody else goes to the lead, go and take it and and get brave. Sultry, round things out. I just have to see more from Sultry. She's tough to gauge. She was, you know, well beaten against Grade One Company, but even in her tries against similar, you know, two and three back at Fairgrounds, she didn't show a whole lot. Slow starts have really been a big. A uh, big issue for her. Those have really hurt her chances in in getting victories when she's just way way out of it. Churchill Downs, race number three. Oh, actually, let's give you the uh, the top the top picks for the second again. So in uh, in order of the second race, we'll go six three two. Magical is the top pick. Alter Moon is underneath, and then uh, Awestruck. I think those are the three in there. Race number three, allowance optional claiming seven furlongs, Phillies, three years old. Shacklet looks like a long shot from the inside. More of an under type, kind of well defeated in a similar spot. And I didn't really see kind of a slow star, but not legitimate excuses. Did come off back-to-back victories though. I think might just need a little bit softer company. Weeby, if you toss the turf race for Weeby back on February the 16th, she broke on top 
and she was able to win that day. Um, wasn't anything wrong with that race. No real knocks on Weeby. Just, you know, you will find in these races, these are fun, good, competitive races. So, you know, you can't use every horse in every single race. There are some horses where you just, you don't dislike them. You just maybe like others a, a bit more. Lady Kate had a slow start and she rushed up, shuffled back a little bit from the rail and she tucked in. It was okay. I mean, it was in, it was in a grade one. So it was in the Ashland and she was behind uh, some fillies who are going to be running in the Kentucky Oaks, out for a spin, Restless Rider, Jaywalk. Could step forward a little bit, putting two races together. No real knocks again on, on Lady Kate. Mo Gale, she's coming back to a sprint. She just never seemed to be comfortable on April the 4th at Keeneland going long. And so I think the turn back will help her. But she just, tough to have a, a lot of confidence playing her back off that. She's come back and work fine uh, a couple times. I just... I can't endorse her really after that. But the one that I will endorse is Angel Alessandra. So let's look at Angel Alessandra's career from the beginning. She's run seven times. She debuted at Del Mar on the dirt in a loaded race. Really tough if you look at some of the fillies that were in there. Brill was awesome in that race. She hasn't really come back to do much more. Um, Delmar May, we, we'll see later on. It's a good race. It was that was her only time on the dirt. What I think happens is at that point of the year down at Del Mar, there aren't races going long on the dirt. So I think they wanted to get Angel Alessandra to go long, and so the only way to get her long was putting her on a ra- in a race that was in, on the grass. And so second out. She goes long on the grass. She wins. So now you're kind of forced to stick on the grass for a little while. A little while, right? She was better on the, you know, she was good on the grass. She gets a win. So they try Stakes Company going long on the grass and slow start. Never really in it. She's off for a few months. So put a line through that September third race. Comes back again and runs well. You know, pretty well on the grass a few times. Now it seems like, okay, took another shot on the grass and she was actually wide. She was pushed even wider into the first turn. She just seemed like she was done early in that grace on a very soft turf course at Keeneland on April the 7th. Now, second off, cuts back and she's worthy of another try on the dirt, isn't she? Her only try on the dirt was in that debut. She probably, she's just a better horse now. She got that Race under her belt should be a little fitter today. I think she's sneaky in here for Miller and uh, and Rosario. Very very sneaky. I think Angel Alessandra is worthy of a win wager at anything over five or six to one. Uh, she's eight to one on the morning line, and she's the type of, of filly who wouldn't even be surprised if she floated up a little bit because she doesn't have like excellent dirt form. Let's give Angel Angel Alessandra a big look in here. Irish Mischief, she ran into Lady Apple a few times, and Lady Apple is in excellent form. She's nice right now. She's going to be in the Oaks later on. Uh, she comes out of tough races, right? Motion to motion and Lady Apple, you you just ha- they'd be heavily favored in this spot. I can't really talk you off Irish Mischief. I think she's one of the measuring sticks for this race, and I think the race probably goes through her. I do like a few others more that I think may have a little more upside. Blame the Frog. Just I need to see a, a little more. Positive has run very well at Churchill. 
positive. Negative, it's just we've seen him on the grass a lot recently. And I think he he's she's kind of similar to Angel Alessandra. She has a little bit better dirt form, obviously, and she has the proven form at Churchill, but she's been like on the grass more recently in three of her last four starts. One that wouldn't shock me, but if if she floats up and she's like around 15 to 1, you might want to throw Blame the Frog into some of your exotics. Just I don't want her to get bet down and be six or eight to one. Ultimate Mo, I I treat as a wild card and not just a toss in here. Gets uh away from a sharp horse named Headband, who's won five in a row. And uh on April the sixth, that was the fourth of five victories when Headband defeated Ultimate Mo. A horse who's shown some speed, who can pick up the pieces late and pass some horses. I think a very good at least try exact to try super horse depending on how you're playing this race golden curl cleared the field and if she's able to do so again from the outside she could be extremely tough in here now with weeby and lady kate's not exactly slow uh, ultimate mo has the ability to show a little speed so there are a couple others in here um who May make Golden Curl either sit off a little bit Or make Golden Curl have to work And then that's why I put Angel Alessandra on top I think she could work out A very nice trip So I have 5 Angel Alessandra 9 Golden Curl 8 Ultimate Mo, 6 Irish Mischief In that order 5, 9, 8, 6 in the 3rd At Churchill Let's move on, race number 4 Won't spend as much As much time on a few of the races where I I only like the chalky horses, the favorites, or kind of obvious horses, and, and this is one of them. The three inside horses, Blake and Baker at the Pearly Gates, I can do anything. All look like they're going to be showing some speed, and I think they could all be a nuisance to each other. Of the three of them, I can do anything was obviously the best, and he was coming off of a very long layoff, so he has. Room to step forward I would have just loved to see maybe another week or two Off the layoff when you show speed Give yourself like a month to recover So that's why I'm a little cold On the inside three horses I think they might all hurt each other's chances The first time starter Heirloom Kitten Five of seven Sibs did win on the grass No real monsters Um, This barn with first time starters The last 5 years 1 for 14 with firsters going long 2 for 16 with firsters on the turf They did win with Spring Kitten March the 22nd At Gulfstream Park in a maiden 20 Going a mile on the turf I'll still be passing on this one World War Tax Just going to be watching We have not seen World War Tax run since September 17, uh, September of 2017 And that was back in Ireland So to me just a Seems like a real, real wild card And a tough horse to use Off of that kind of a layoff his, his form wasn't terrible And if he wasn't coming off such a long layoff He might be a horse who I, I You could start to build a case for But for me, I just it, This would be a, a big shocker Off of that type of a, uh, a layoff Split the wickets For Thomas Van Berg Just Need to see a little bit more now He's going to be drawing turf for the first time He comes out of a couple Productive races behind Warriors Charge Who won an optional 75 first level allowance Next out by 6 plus And um, also Laughing Fox Who won an optional 75 first level allowance 
after beating Split the Wickets and then tried the Rebel and the Arkansas Derby. Seems like more of an under kind of long shot. Looking high, huh? Smoke them if you got them, huh? Smoke another one, huh? Looking high. Look, <laughs> the three year old son of looking at Lucky and high on kitten. <laughs> nice. Looking high. But nah, I just can't see it. Maiden never hit the board and never has really showed a whole ton. Just uh, not a lot of speed either. Can't can't see it. Cowboys Dream, I think the same can be said for. Um, kind of fell into a good trip on December the 22nd or December the 26th back in 2018, but wasn't able to capitalize, right? That's what you run a really good race and you just can't seem to capitalize on it since. That's what I don't like. Valdo Lobo. This is the nine, Valdo Lobo. For trainer Brendan Walsh, Flavian Pratt is aboard. Check this one out. Valdo Lobo last raced on October 23rd, 2018 in Newcastle. Will now be racing on May the 3rd at Churchill Downs for new trainer Brendan Walsh. Last year, on May the 4th, 2018, so a year almost to the day, Flavian Pratt won on a near identical four-year-old filly for Brendan Walsh. Almost identical. First time Lasix for Valdelobo this one, but if you go and look at the numbers, 27 for 131 first time with uh, Brendan Walsh, 21% and a 231 ROI, and with four and shippers, five for 24 uh, but four for the last nine. This is a barn who has gotten really good with shippers. And this is a barn who won with a very, very similar shipper on almost the exact same day a year ago with Pratt aboard at five to one. I think if you get over three to one on Valdelobo, we're betting to win. Um, That filly was named Kilei. And that, that one was racing for Brendan Walsh for the first time. Hadn't raced from October 16th, 2017 to May 4th, 2018. Pratt was aboard going a mile on the turf. First time North America. Almost identical. I think this is another great spot to ship in and win. Fireball John is the 10. And, you know, his last race wasn't bad. My buddy Chris Rozier rode him over at Fairgrounds. Was aboard to a, a third place finish He tracked inside a few lengths off He It was just kind of a merry-go-round race There just wasn't a lot of passing early on So I think it was tough to get by um, A couple of the horses who were able to dictate Things and go 48-1 and one to the half Haunt is a half To a late But there's not a ton of immediate turf success In the direct Relatives And I think Haunt is a, a is If you look Hasn't really shown a lot And he's been over bet In his three starts He probably will be over bet again Because he's a half too late And I don't know if that will translate to any success on the grass So he's really not for me in here I think life's mission is the one to beat And I think the nine um, Is the one to bet Valdelobo So or the uh, I think the twelve life mission Is the one to beat, uh, to beat So for me it's just nine and twelve Those are the only two horses I need in this race In, in any of the exotics I'm not worried about um, going a little deeper. So in early pick fives and stuff, I'll just use those two, nine and 12, and uh, maybe even single the nine on some other tickets. 
Life's life mission was able to get to the three path uh, into the turn in his most recent race. He was going a mile against maiden special weights at Keeneland. And then he got to the two path. He was sitting fifth. He was mid pack. He got to the rail. He kind of crept up to third within stalking range. He was loaded with just nowhere to go. Got an opening for a second, but things got tight. That hole was closed. He got bumped around. Just really bad racing luck for life mission. I think he will be very, very tough in here. Nine and 12 in the fourth at Churchill on Friday. Let's go to race number five. Get a little diet of some steaks. Action now, and you could. I don't know if you heard my tummy grumbling. I'm, I'm starting to get hungry now. So once we get through this, I'm gonna have to get warm up some of my chocolate chip pancakes from from IHOP. Okay. Fifth race, the Eight Bells. Oh man, this is this is a um, a fun race to handicap because I think you have a lot of options. There are lots of different ways you could go, and I wouldn't talk you off many horses because they should all. Many of them should offer you. Nice value From the inside Take charge Angel Broke well And pressed Was just about a half length off Kofivi Loomed up Was drifting out a little bit late But was really trying hard That was just the first start of the year For take charge Angel Plenty of room to step forward off that Was defeated by a horse named Kofivi Who was two for three Was also coming off a similar layoff My main concern with take charge Angel Is just the rail drop I think there are a lot of talented fillies drawn to the outside of her that will make things very difficult for her on the inside. And unless she decides to send very hard early on and if she's able to clear, which it just it doesn't look like that's going to happen on paper. So for me, I'm a little against Take Charge Angel in here. Proud Emma. Let's go through Proud Emma from the beginning, right? Her career debut, she actually hooks Kofivi, who we just saw beat Take Charge Angel. Comes back in career start number two, drops down for uh, a tag, wins, going a mile on a 16th. Comes back, wins again, going a mile. A nice second in the slop at Santa Anita in February 2019. The race that I really love is the March 2nd race in the slop, going seven furlongs, when she defeated Sturd and Splashy Kisses that day, and she came from way off the pace with Mike Smith aboard. You'll notice Mike Smith has been aboard for two of her victories, and Mike Smith is aboard now today. Look at the way this race shapes up on paper, right? Take Charge Angel, break even, pretty quick. You'd have to imagine Lyrical Lady, very quick, gonna go. Blinkers on, Bizwax, not as fast as the others, but shouldn't be too far out of it. And then Mother Mother, with the outside draw, probably not gonna want to get hooked too wide, will also likely be forwardly placed. I think Proud Emma gets a great trip in here. She was in the gazelle behind always shopping in positive spirit, you know, and that was going a mile and an eighth. I think that was just a little too far from her. She was hooked three deep in a small field. She was going behind slow fractions and it was probably a little bit farther than where she's at her best. That's many reasons why she was a little bit lackluster and she should have so much more punch cutting back. Proud Emma, top selection, worthy of a win wager and anything around, you know, Six, eight to one or over uh, on Proud Emma. And uh, looks like we are, we like a couple of the Peter Millers early on at Churchill. Queen of Bees, the number three, really impressive. Um, and in the debut race, the December 13th race, when she finished second, that was a strong race. She was one of three next out winners, and the other two next out winners are now stakes placed. She comes back in her second start in their career on January the 6th, and she beats. Two next out maiden special weight winners 
And then last out at Gulfstream Park, she angled to the outside. She was a close-up, a fourth, fifth, early, three off. She loomed up four wide, took the lead at the top of the stretch, and kicked clear. Queen of Bees, very impressive, no knock. She will be on almost all of my exotic tickets. Break Even is another... It, it, what's cool about Queen of Bees is she's pretty versatile. She'll, she'll be more likely an off-the-pace type, but she seems like she's kind of handy. Break even, I think, is the opposite. This is a fast filly. She, uh, if you go back to the January 28th, or the debut race, she actually beat four next out winners, uh, a couple maiden special weight winners, um, maiden 50, a maiden 15, and she crushed over a sloppy sealed track. She was never less than a couple lengths clear of everyone. Comes back in career start number two, and gets to Sit a little bit early on But again, very, very impressive She broke on top, she sits She's kind of half-length off She's always traveling well She asks, she responds for, She responded and she goes by for an easy win And then On uh, on March the 30th At Oaklawn Within 50 yards She's got the lead She's crossed over and she's opened up two lengths on the field. This is a fast filly, and I have a tough time leaving her out of any of the exotics in here because of that speed. Bell's the one, you know. I I played her in the Ashland actually. I liked her after you know her first few starts, and she seemed like a a, a nice wild card to play. But she just had a brutal trip, a slow start, and she was four deep, widest of all. Then she was three deep and just lost a ton of ground. The turn back should help, and maybe just go a grade one going a mile and a sixteenth wide. That was just too much for her. I would not be shocked, but with all that being said, I don't even, I don't even have her in my top five. It's just that kind of a race. Wouldn't talk you off her. Delmar May. She broke well most recently in her first start of 2019. Um, she just chose to sit off fourth. And just a couple lengths off, it was a powerful victory. And if you put a line through the race where she went long, you can't really knock what she's done. She was a good second in her debut behind Brill. She was behind Bellafina. Then she came back to win. I think she's got a lot of upside as a nice three-year-old filly and a nice three-year-old sprinting filly for some of these big races. Um, you know, over the next six months or so. What makes the race really difficult from a, a pure pace standpoint is that there look to be two really, really fast fillies that I think are pretty intent on the lead, Lyrical Lady and Break Even. And it's tough to play any kind of exotics or a pick five or something where you're not using the both of them, right? Because if the one breaks poorly and the other breaks well... And sneaks away You're going to go, oh well I knew it was really one of those two So for me, that's kind of the way that I'm going to be approaching I'll probably use the. This will be one of the races where I, I think I spread out the most Because I like Proud Emma From a win wager And I think from a getting a trip standpoint But Queen of Bees and Break Even I want on my tickets I want Del May on my ticket uh, Lyrical Lady, I mean, she just cruised up front last time out. She is really, really fast. I want her on my tickets also. Bizwax took back from inside. It was last early. It's okay, fourth behind out for a spin. Restless Rider, Jaywalk, all three that will be running in the Kentucky Oaks. Now adds the Blinks. Bizwax has really always had a lot of talent, but he's she's been just 
You know, you look at her career record. She doesn't mind settling for minor awards, but she rarely runs a poor, poor race. I wouldn't talk you off her in the bottom of exotics. I'll play against Mother Mother in here. So it, the approach in this race is we'll be spreading out and, and not using the horse who's probably going to be the betting favorite, Mother Mother. I just am not sure if this race shapes up well for her. Because if Break Even and Lyrical Lady show the speed, you have a horse like Delmar May sitting. You have a horse like Bell's the One, probably not that far out of it. Bizwax one, but I think Mother Mother's going to get hooked a little bit wide with her running style here. I don't think she's fast enough to clear the field, and I don't think she is the type of filly who wants to take back five lengths. And I feel like she's going to get caught in between in some sort of a wide trip. So I'll play against her in here. You know, she's good in races without Bellafina. She has a maiden win, a stakes win over this track, and third beating a neck in a grade one, second beating a head in a, in a G3. She's it's not bad at all. And she likes Churchill. You just can't use them all. I think I like a lot of others in here who have more upside and will likely be better prices. So we'll play against Mother Mother in race number five at Churchill. Okay, so let's go through the early pick five then right now. What I would recommend, based on your bankroll, is I'll uh, I'll give you a couple different a couple different ones. Okay, so the early pick five starts in race number one. I would play the early pick five with these numbers. First ticket. This is the big ticket. So if you're a bigger player, um, or if you have a big bankroll, or you're bigger, this is what I would recommend. Two, five, six, ten. Coopy's Pizza Dom. Tom's last general. A man called Bodie. Firewater Jake in the first leg. Second leg. Two, three, six. Awestruck, Alter Moon, Magical. Third leg. Five, six, eight, nine. Angel Alessandra, Irish Mischief, Ultimate Mo, Golden Curl. Fourth race, nine, twelve. Valdelobo and Life Mission. Fifth race, two, three, four, six, seven. Proud Emma, Queen of Bees. Break even, Delmar May, Lyrical Lady. That's the early pick five for the bigger players, right? Or, you know, make any changes that you need to that. If you're a smaller player, I'll give you a $36 one here. First race, five, six, ten, with three, six in the second, Alter Moon and Magical. In the third, five, nine, Angel Alessandra and Golden Curl. In the fourth, nine, twelve, Valdelobo. And life mission in the fifth, two, three, four. Proud Emma, Queen of Bees, break even. That's thirty-six. If you want to add the six and the seven, that would that'd be sixty bucks. Okay. Some of the earlier races we went through, I'd recommend a, in the third race a bet on Angel Alessandra, six to one or over. Fourth race, a bet on the number nine, Valdo Lobo at three to one or over. And a fifth in the fifth race, a bet on number two, Proud Emma at six to one or over. Sixth race. This is the Edgewood. I'm not going to be playing a, a ton in this race, to be honest, because it just looks really chalky to me. And it's a race that I think is in the middle of the kind of the middle race of the exotic wagers. I'm not going to play the 20 cent single six jackpot. I don't. I only play those jackpot tickets if there's a huge mandatory payout. Something I just I don't like getting involved in in those. Um, I, I like the old school two dollar pick six is much better. Newspaper of record looks so tough in here. Um, just from a class standpoint. And so what makes this race difficult for me is I think the only other 
Philly that could beat her is Cambier Park, who is two to one and lined up right next door to the three to five favorite newspaper of record. And they're both for Chad Brown. Just going through the rest of the field, you, you, she does. There are a couple others that have won recent races. You know, um, Concrete Rose, Fortunate Girl. They just, from a class standpoint, are. I think a tier below. So I will not be playing much in this race. The only way I would get involved is if I saw Cambier Park around seven to two or over. Then I think that Philly might be worthy of a win wager. Uh, otherwise, this is just a, a stay away for me. Seventh race, the Ali Sheba McKenzie will really enjoy the slight turn back. I, I think we saw how good he was in the Malibu when he was at seven furlongs. I don't know if that's his best distance, but I think it's somewhere, you know, in the mile and a sixteenth-ish range right here. I think a mile and a quarter is too far. A mile and an eighth, he's been oh, we say he's been bad. He's just he's been very good at a mile and a quarter and a mile and an eighth. We're just talking about what's his preferred, and I think this this is going to be a great spot for McKinsey. Like, let's talk about his last two races. February second, he was just off the pace in third. He was always within a couple lengths. He uh, lined up in between with uh, it was three horses that were lined up at the top of the lane. He was in between horses, and at the top of the lane, he really tried hard to battle back when he was second behind Battle of Midway in the slop. And and most recently, last out when he was second behind Gift Box, he broke well from the rail. He was tucked in third. He was just two lengths off, saving ground. He angled to the three path. He loomed up. He was in front in the stretch. This one was was a tougher beat because this was just the nose bob defeat. It was one of those that really could have gone either way. Seems to be training very well right now for Baffert. You look at the uh, fourth place finisher from the most recent race. That one came back to win. On April the sixth, a great uh, that one came back to win a Grade Three next out, coming out of a productive race. McKinsey, I think the absolute one to beat in here, no doubt about it. I'll have him second. I'll have him on all of my exotic tickets, but he is the one to beat. Tom's Diatot's a wild card, right? I, I liked him a little bit in the Pegasus just because he has such upside. He's such a a, horse, a a feast or famine type horse who can show up with a huge effort and those are the type of horses as betters that you like because you, you like them at a price because you want a horse who's good enough to win you can't play a horse who's never run fast enough or who doesn't even really have the opportunity to win and Tom's D. Todd is one of those horses who can show up with big efforts good enough to beat big horses he was three deep in the second flight he just never seemed to be going great over the ground um at Gulfstream in the slop, and he backed up very, very early, but he comes back to Churchill Downs where he has run well. He likes this trip. I would not talk you off, you know, a price on uh, on Tom's D-Top, but demand the price, right? You, you don't want him at 7-2. to two, You want him above 5-1. to one. You He's got to be a, around there because he's not consistent enough. We don't know if we're going to be able to get that type of an effort from him against this level. But there is a chance. So we have to build all of that into the price, right? Everything has to be built into the price. Prime attraction, probably the the major speed in here. He's just he's over his last nine. He he does have a couple big races. He'll show up with the big one here and there. But I think he's more of just um, adding some speed to the party and an underneath type. Casino star. He... He moved in between horses. He was up to third. He settled in a nice spot. He he, he sat as fight on went by him. 
But he, Casino Star battled back. He tried hard, but now you have another class hike after you've been defeated three times against Softer Company. I don't think that's a positive. What I do think is a positive, some bourbon and some bourbon resolution. It's going to be the top selection in this race. If you notice, he's actually crossed the wire first four times, but he was DQ'd from one of those for a positive test on June 28th of 2018. Really the only bad race he's ever run was in the grade one Breeders Futurity. It was his first time going long and it was in a grade one and it was a race that was followed by a lengthy layoff. So plenty of reasons to excuse that race. He comes back in February, in, uh, February of 2019. He wins first time, first uh, first start of the year. And then at Tampa, no knocks in a decent third behind Flame Away. The last out race, though, was so good at Keeneland, winning the grade three. He was asked for early speed. He sat three deep, second off. It was just a perfect ride. He was really handled confidently. Landeros did a great job. Um, he just moved him up at the top of the lane, and it was an easy victory. This horse is on the improve for a very patient barn who handles their horses very, very well. So I, I think Bourbon Resolution and McKinsey are my top two, and I have them in a tier well above the rest of the field from betting purposes. I think you could bet Bourbon Resolution at you know eight to one or so. I'm actually going to be surprised if he's fifteen. I think he'll probably open up at like six and then end up somewhere, you know, in the middle. If you just put him at 10 to one, he'd probably stay closer to that. But he seems to me more like a six, eight to one shot in here. The nine or let's no, excuse me. So we're at the five bourbon resolution. Let's go to instilled regard. I I liked instilled regard last year. I actually had him on my fantasy team for a while. Um, He, he was pretty good in the Hollywood Derby at the end of the year and his First start back wasn't bad. He actually showed early speed. He was battling it out early. And then he took back and angled around and came on again. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him show up with an okay performance. But I just don't know if he's good enough to beat older horses. And some good older horses going long on the dirt. Like a horse like McKinsey. Or even a horse like, you know, uh, Hawkum seems like a long shot. He was second in this race last year. I do think it's a much tougher version of the race this year though. Um, with, you know, Seeking the Soul, who just put a line through the Dubai World Cup race. You know, he, he just never got involved that day. That's fine. But he overall is a, a pretty consistent horse, and he likes it at Churchill Downs. The problem is, is his lack of speed can sometimes hurt him. It puts him in a position where sometimes he's only able to get up for late seconds and late thirds, and um, he's not able to win races unless the pace really sets up well for him. And that's one of the things I worry about in here is I don't know if he's going to get that great of a setup because let's see who really is a need the lead speed type, right? Prime attraction, like Tom's the tot, maybe wouldn't be shocked. McKinsey's probably going to sit. Casino Star is more of a sitter. Bourbon Resolution's going to sit. And still regard, probably going to sit. Hawkum doesn't really have gun speed. Seeking the Soul isn't fast. The Multiplier isn't fast. Silver Dust isn't really a gun horse, more of a sitter. Copper Bullet, you know, maybe you get a little speed from Copper Bullet, who has kind of had a weird trip in his last start. But that's my concern with seeking the soul in in, in the seventh uh, in the Ali Sheba. Just I don't think this race will shape up very well for him. I do like him though, because um, he's he's really capable with the right setup. Uh, I like him as a horse in general, just not in this spot. 
Let's go to multiplier next. And, you know, with multiplier, he's a little interesting second time for Mott, right? Let's go through his career real quick. He was a pretty highly regarded from the beginning. He was good early on. They tried, he was a grade three winner. They tried him in the Preakness and in the Belmont. And then he he changes Barnes. Multiplier went out to the West Coast. Didn't have a ton of success, but now he changes Barnes again. He's in the Mott Barn. And look at his dirt form. He's been on the grass as of late, but he's a graded stakes winner on the dirt. He's a horse who should be picking up pieces and grinding late. I don't think he... I don't project him as a winner of this race, but for a 20 to one shot and the bottom of your tries and supers, I actually have him in third. I have it five, one, nine, two, six. So I guess you could tell it silver dust. He's another horse. who I just don't knock. I just like others more. He was kept wide. He was in the clear. He had dead aim the length of the stretch, but he was just second best behind core beliefs in the new Orleans and then copper bullet. When he was second in the Razorback on February the 18th, There were four next out winners. Came back on March the 23rd. It was a weird trip. He ended up in between horses from the outside. He kept getting shuffled. He had to angle out and around, but he he never really threatened. And it was, yeah, I said, kind of a weird race. I didn't really know how to gauge him a whole lot after that one. But uh, five, one, nine, two, six. Bourbon Resolution and McKinsey, I think in a tier above. Well, those would be on top, and if you're looking to play, uh, you know, I would I'd maybe play those two on top in some exotics, maybe some tries, and you could use the other horses underneath. Um, but if you're playing to underneath, if you're playing a try or a super, seeking the soul is a horse who I would use in the two, three, and four spots. Not I'm just talking in this aspect about horses who I thought could win, and uh, I had really mainly McKinsey and. Uh, McKinsey and Bourbon Resolution as the two that I think can win and uh, I think are, are worthy winners in the Ali Sheba. Let's go to the eighth, the La Troyenne. Grade one, mile and a sixteenth for the mares, Phillies and mares, four year olds and upwards. She's a Julie from the inside. She went straight to the lead. She crossed over. It was a strong win in her four year old debut. It was her career best, so they gave her a little time off. The concern I have is it's just a a pretty contentious group in here. I think she's the type who wants to sit very close, and I think she'll have to be farther back than normal. She should be saving ground, but if she's five lengths off of it, I don't think that's her best opportunity to win the race. Then you go to blue prize. What do you do with this grade one winning millionaire who's coming off a year when she was Excellent. She was beaten less than two lengths in the Breeders' Cup distaff. She earned over $730,000. And she deserves to be talked about as one of the top mares in the division. The problem is the barn is two for 43 over plus 180 day layoffs. They are 0 for their last 19. And one of those was this one, Blue Prize. When she came off, the long layoff from November of 2017 to March of 2018. She was a well-beaten seventh in the Azari that day at five to one. So what do you do with her? 
In the Breeders' Cup, she jumped at the start, but she recovered very well. She sat a close-up fourth. She moved up to second, and she took a shot. She challenged Monomoy Girl at the top of the lane, but she tired, faded, finished fourth, was still trying all the way. Just missed third. What do you do with Blue Prize? I'm a little lukewarm on her in this spot because I, I don't know if she'll be ready for her best right now. Divine Miss Gray, winner, last out, but she she beat a horse, and she had to work pretty hard to beat a New York State bred. I don't know if this is going to be a race that she's going to be able to clear the field, right? Because she has awesome Emma to her outside. Um, I think Golden Award will be sitting close. I think Secret Spice will also be sitting close. Um if she does sneak away, she could be could be tough when she's able to dictate things. She has run well at Churchill. She's a 12-time winner, but I just think she's a little a cup below. And I think Aw Emma to her outside could be a major nuisance because Divine Miss Gray is much better when she's able to get out front and dictate things. And it just does not seem like that's going to be the case in here. I, I think Aw Emma's an interesting long shot to lose, uh, to use. Last out, she got to the lead early. It was up a half length early on and really just cruised. She is looking for her fourth consecutive win in a row. Um, she's been able to just clear off early and it looked very, very impressive. Her damn awesome Maria was a millionaire, a grade one winner, nine for 16 and a seven time graded stakes winner. So this is a, this isn't a, a, a Philly who is, comes out of nowhere. She was a $2 million purchase and she could be flying out front early on. I have her picked third in here. Aw, Emma. Mopatism is 0 for last, her last nine. She's a consistent grinder for the, the bottom of the tries and supers, blinks on. She is another who just, she picks up pieces and she's earned over $780,000. Doesn't win a ton, but I, I would not talk you out of the bottom of exotics for her. Chocolate Martini for Tom Amos. She, I think, would need some major improvement to contend with the best in here just based on what we've seen from her as of late. Even the two-back win, it just, I think, was against a, a much softer group. She was well-defeated by Blue Prize last year, a Monomoy girl, um, those types. Um, yeah, I do like seeing Arad Ortiz Jr. jumping aboard for Chocolate Martini, but I think she will need to improve um, quite a bit off of her recent starts to contend with the best in here. Teresa Z. Nothing wrong with the November race, but I just I didn't love the layoff, the race off the bench. I, I just have to see more out of that inside information. Not a big Teresa Z again. Just type of type of Mario I just don't think is good enough to jump up and and maybe contend with Blue Prize or Secret Spice if they if they give their best effort. Golden Award. Going to be the top selection in here. She chased lone speed in the slop off the bench last out. She wheels back quickly for Mott. I like the fact that she's putting two starts together when you'll notice that most of her recent starts have been followed by a layoff. Even if they're short layoffs, it's so nice to be able to have that recent race under your belt. Golden Award. Top selection. Think she sits a great trip. Has the speed if nobody else goes, but it looks like there will be Divine Miss Gray Ah, uh, Emma going Golden Award sitting just behind him, and maybe that's where Secret Spice is too. Because I, I think Secret Spice is the now Philly. 
Recent grade one winner She looks like the horse to beat She saved ground, she angled out It was a great ride, she was handled well She always traveled well And look who she beat, Marley's Freedom Paradise Woods who came out of that race To win a grade two by ten And Selcourt, we're not talking about Slouches that she just defeated You go through her whole career too This is another Philly who really hasn't come out of nowhere She was in a tough maiden debut race back in August of 2017 down at Del Mar And she's been pretty consistent throughout She she didn't put it all together like she has until recently And, and that's what happens sometimes with these horses They grow up, they mature And now we've seen her last three starts have all been very good And two of them have been monster wins If she shows up with anything similar to that performance on May the 30th I, I think she's going to be a real handful in here. And what I like is that was on May the 30th, excuse me, on March the 30th. So she's had over a month now to recover from a, a race where she ran huge. Viva Forever, round things out. Just looks like more of a long shot uh, of a mare to me that I did not have in, uh, in the exotic. So we're going with 8, 9, 4, Two, one. That's the order. Golden Award, Secret Spice, Ah Emma, Blue Prize, She's a Julie. That's how I uh I have this that race pegged. I won't spend a ton of time on the ninth. It was probably my least favorite race to handicap. I wish I wish the uh the, the races would have been carded a little bit differently. I would have loved to see this um allowance optional claimer early on in the card and maybe the eight bells or one of the other stakes races in this uh, spot where the ninth is but uh we'll take a big kind of swing on tis mischief tis mischief for dale romans the 11 was always supposed to be a really nice horse and if you know if you notice his best races have come at churchill downs is there still a big race left in him if there is i think this is when we see it this is when it shows up he puts two starts together. He gets back to Churchill Downs. I don't love anyone else in this race. There are a ton of like wild cards and horses I have question marks about. I think with his best, Tiz Mischief could win and should offer you a nice price. So let's uh, we'll put Tiz Mischief on top, but probably a race where you I, I'm I'd have to go pretty deep. I like the two rug me man a little bit. First time gelding the rail draw concerns me, but if he's able to work out a trip, he should be pretty tough. American Tattoo is a wild card Probably have to have um, Him included somewhere And then I'm willing to give Solid Wager a mulligan For his last start This track at Santa Anita Right now it's really hard to gauge And if you're a closer like Solid Wager It's a tough track to make up ground on Um, So I'll give him an opportunity Because in a race like this In a a race with a big field He might be able to get a pace um, and, and, And come running late if you want to go a little deeper, others to use underneath the three horse Cummings caught my eye a bit. You like to see Javi jumping aboard. He was recently defeated by the five Knights Key, who came closing really impressively at Oakland. Again, another one who I wouldn't really talk you too much off. And uh, and then the twelve could be a big bust out long shot that on uh, that is fuel the burn. Who's been consistent as of late And he just has the style where he might be able to fall Into a good trip right? So I have 11, 2, 7, 1 And then You know you want to go a little deeper I have 5, 3, 12 underneath them But probably use those top 4 11, 2, 7, 1 in most of uh, 
most of the exotics just did, did not like this race really no strong opinions when uh, when getting through it 10th race at Churchill the Twin Spires turf sprint 5.5 furlongs they will be flying in here and bound for nowhere from the inside might unfortunately be uh, in some trouble because He's going to have to go, right? You're drawing the rail, going five and a half furlongs. There's other speed. You're not really going to be able to try to work out a trip, take back and angle around. So you're going to have to go and and hope for the best. And I think that kind of takes bound, in my opinion, that takes bound for nowhere out of contention for me. Because I, I think it's going to force his hand just way too much getting that inside draw. Mr. Crow, I, I kind of wanted to build a case for Mr. Crow. But it's just a tough spot for first time on the grass. He might be in a really nice spot, though. He might be sitting mid-pack with a ton of speed, and he could fall into it. Smart remark just seems a, a little overmatched in here at a big price. Jazzy Times has speed, and he's he could be a nuisance for Bound for Nowhere and even World of Trouble as we, uh, we get to Chaos Theory, the... The five. Chaos Theory's race, he's a deep closer. And so he could get the setup here. I think he'll get a better opportunity in this race with World of Trouble and Bound for Nowhere hooking up. And maybe a horse like Jazzy Times. If if those three are showing some speed, then Chaos Theory has a legitimate shot. I've put him in the fourth spot in here. World of Trouble. Really impressive right now, right? Both surfaces, grass uh, on the dirt, now a grade one winner on the dirt winning the Carter. He was just beating a neck in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. As far as sprinters are concerned, he's he's the best right now because Roy A's on the shelf at the moment and World of Trouble can do it on both surfaces. Then Knock is bound for nowhere. But we have seen World of Trouble sit a little bit. He can sit a tad if he has to. Oh, you can hear Eleanor barking in the background there. Eleanor, you be quiet. Quit your barking, Eleanor. Quit your barking. World of Trouble, the most likely winner of the race. I'll pick him second, and I will not exclude him from any of the exotics. If you wanted a single World of Trouble in some, I wouldn't talk you off that. The only reason why I don't is because I think the way this race shapes up, if he gets caught up a little too fast, a little too early on, that could set up for an off-the-pace rally. Um, and I think the rally could be coming from either Undrafted or Will Call. And Will Call will be my top selection. He actually won this race last year from post-9 after a bad race in the Shaker Town. Right? Go look at his, his form. Almost an identical type setup, right? Bad race in the Shaker Town. Comes back and he's going to try to win this race. He did it last year at just under 7-1 to one. I think you'll probably get a little bit higher on that Is it a tougher race? Oh yeah, for sure With the, But is it tougher? Yes But is it still likely to set up for him? Oh yeah As you see, he has some speed too But in these turf sprint races You have to decide early on if you're going to go or not Now that's what I like about Will Call Is he has the options He's shown the ability to take back and win this race last year from five lengths off of it when he was in seventh, or he's shown the ability to sit second and and 
be right there. But I do expect him to be more of off the pace in here because there is a lot of speed. He is not nearly as quick as some of the quickest. Will Call gets the trip undrafted. The Wes Welker owned Wesley Ward trained. I play him in third. He likes Churchill. He's a millionaire. He will come running. You know what you're going to get from him. That late rally. Nine, six, eight, five for me. Will call over. World of trouble over. Undrafted over. Chaos theory. And, you know, if you're playing, like again, if you're playing Exactus Tries Supers, I would include Bound for Nowhere underneath. But I just don't think he's going to be able to win this race with the type of setup that, I, that, I'm, expect, that I'm expecting. Let's close it out with the Oaks, folks. Race number 11 at Churchill Downs. Right off the bat, right? Jaywalk, Motion to Motion, Serengeti Empress, Bellafina, Flor de Mar, Flor de Lamar. They might all be vying for the lead. This could be a wicked fast early pace. And then what happens sometimes? Everybody's looking at that. And then all the connections say, you know what? Let's take back a little bit. And then someone gets out front and sneaks away. Let's go through the field. The one out for a spin. Grade one Ashlyn winner last out. And she's now looking to win her third in a row. The problem is I think she's going to be a lot farther back today early on. When she won the grade one Ashland, she was in between horses. She was pressing. She was a half length off of Jaywalk. She went by Jaywalk and she held off Restless Rider. So she just beat the first and second place finishers from last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile. That is not uh, that is not an easy thing to do. And uh very, very impressive win for out for a spin. But I don't I think when you look at her victories, they're in the races where she's able to sit that nice trip, right? Where she's able to sit off the pace, just real close, kind of pressing. I think she's just going to be so much farther back than that today. And I don't know if she wants to win coming from five, six, eight, ten lengths out of it. Chocolate Kisses will be on almost all of my tickets. I like her a lot today. If you look at Chocolate Kisses... And you go through her career early on. She ran well at Churchill. And if you put a line, she lost the rider in the rags to riches. So just put a line through that race. She most recently won the grade three honeybee back in March. And she was two from the back. She came flying. She ducked down to the inside late. It was a big win. Last time out, she was in the Ashland in the same race with Doubt for a Spin, Westless Rider, Jaywalk. And... She was towards the rear saving ground. When she wanted to go, she didn't have room. I I don't think she was ever going to win the race. But when she seemed like she was traveling and she seemed like she wanted to start to make her move, she she had nowhere to go. And then by the time she got room, I think she was a little bit flat. So I, it was a weird race because there wasn't a lot of movement up top in that race. We saw Jaywalk leading the way, out for a spin was second. Restless Rider wasn't that far off the pace, they ran one, two, three in there. So I think it might have been a race that was just a racetrack. It was tough to make up ground that day, and a race where she kind of got sneaky, shuffled back a little bit. I actually have Chocolate Kisses picked third. I think in a, she will come flying in here, and she's not so stone cold closer that she has to be so far out of it. The horse I really didn't know what to do with was Lady Apple, and so if you like Lady Apple. Go for it, use her. She's looking for a fourth in a row. I still think she's going to need to improve a little bit more. And I'm worried that 
She could get caught up in that early pace With some of the others Matt, The way she sat When she saved ground at the rail She was in fourth She was three off She was kind of waiting for room She ducked to the inside She snuck through That was a pretty professional type win And she had to show multiple gears She had to show um, patience And so She's just she. It's what's fun about these races You know There's just so many And so many make cases for and against I don't have her in my top five But she would probably be the next horse after that I'd, She'd probably be the sixth horse or Of all the horses who I don't have Written down Or on some of my exotics She's the one that scares me the most So if there's some maybe Scratches or changes in the card early on in the day And I can tweak things around Because the thing about Lady Apple is She's going to be a price, right? So I'll The more like I'm never going to try to talk you off horses that are big prices that you want to use. I'm always trying to to find the the weaknesses or the the deficiencies in the horses that are going to be short prices. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to okay, this horse is going to be 2 to 1, but why shouldn't we play them at 2 to 1 or who else should? And if some races you can't, you just say we can't and we move on. But Lady Apple at 20 to 1, I won't talk you off. Bellafina. I have her fourth in here. I respect Bellafina quite a bit. She's three for three on the year. She won huge in a in her last couple starts. She really does look like she towers over the field if you're just going off of forms and victories. But even from like a numbers and a figure standpoint, she's not that much better than the rest of the group. And I'm worried with her, as I am with the others, that She's not fast enough to be the fastest in here. Is she? Is she faster than Jaywalk? Faster than Motion to Motion? Is she faster than Positive Spirit? Is she faster than Serengeti Empress? I don't know. And if she's not, is she going to be okay with being five lengths behind the pace? Because if she's right on that pace, she's going to be Adding too close to it She'll probably be wide In some case Maybe trying to stay in the clear From a win standpoint I, I don't love her I don't love her She's obviously classy And I think you can't play tries and supers without her But I would not bet her to win And I would not bet her to win a 2-1 to one. Florida Damar Too lightly raced Plenty of upside But pace early on um, she was battling it out with Bellafina last time out, and Bellafina handled her. But we see Bellafina able to look like a monster in small fields when she's better than the other four or five horses. Because when she's better than everyone else and so much better, then she can sit slightly off or go a little faster if she has to go to the lead. But in a deep group like this, where there are full fields and lots of quality speed, how much can she take early on? And still have something left Trying to go a mile and an eighth For the first time Let's get to Positive Spirit Yeah I just I was pretty disappointed with Positive Spirit In uh, in the Gazelle She Just couldn't seal the deal Going you know 50 to the half mile When she had the lead early on Maybe you'll see She's not nearly as fast as some of the others in here But she's best when she's involved early uh, she ran well in a race when she was second, as still as a maiden when she came from off the pace, uh, going a mile and a sixteenth at Keeneland. Not for me. Positive spirit. 
Jaywalk. You know, I actually liked Jaywalk's race a little bit the more I, I, I looked back at it. Um, she didn't really just quit and tire. She did improve a little bit from her first start of the year to her second start of the year. But the, again, the way the race shapes up, I just don't think she's going to be able to do what she did in the Breeders' Cup when she kind of outrun, outran them early. But she's she has victories over many of the major players that she'll have that she'll have to face in here. But recently, she's been behind Jeltrin and out for a spin, who are probably not even the top tier contenders. Motion of motion, quick. But again, pace in a race with so much other speed. I, I don't want to knock her in any sense. She's now multiple graded stakes winner. She's won four big races in a row. She has Mike Smith aboard. But it's all going to come down to that early, you know, that, that first quarter, that first half mile. Leora. Leora's run well at Churchill Downs. Leora is, you know, she was three deep into the turn. She didn't have. She didn't handle the turn all that well, but she sat off and she put away Serengeti Empress. She opened up two lengths most recently before she got um, caught by Street Band. She doesn't run poor races. She's proven at Churchill. Bottom of exotics type, sure, for Leora. Uh, top pick in here is Champagne, anyone. For Ian Wilkes. You just watch, look at her progression from the very beginning. Another one. Always been a nice filly. Third in the career debut. Won a couple races after that Churchill Downs in the slop a good fourth when she had some trouble in the golden rod and and she was behind Leora and Restless Rider and she had legit trouble that day comes back behind feedback going seven but look at the progression then comes back in to start the year 2019 seven furlongs a mile mile and a 16th added the blinks and she was able to sit so much closer I don't think she'll be that close, but the blinkers give her the opportunity to at least not have to be so far back. She, to me, feels like the most versatile filly in here. I think she can adapt to whatever the pace scenario will be, even if they don't go that fast early on. And uh, I think the added real estate will only help her. I love the way that she's been handled by Ian Wilkes patiently. She is 6-1. to one. She is my top selection, and I will be wagering on her at anything over 5-1. to one. Uh, I think she is... Very, very live and going to be extremely tough in here. Jeltrin, you know, I just didn't. She beat Champagne anyone, right? So we're we're talking about a a Philly who beat the Philly that I like uh, in here. But when you do it at 50 to 1, I just have to see it from you again. I have to see it from you again. So the positive is, if you like Jeltrin at 50 to 1, you're going to get her again at a big price in here. It's not like you got her at 50 to 1 last time and she's going to be 6 to 5 this time. So you still will get value, but that's not value for me. Uh, for me, because I just, I, I don't see it. Street Band. She saved ground inside of Leora. She was chasing Serengeti, Empress. She waited. She angled around. Her effort in the Fairground Oaks was very good. She could find herself in an excellent spot today, maybe mid-pack in a race loaded with speed. Not talking you off, street band who could be coming from off the pace in here. And and then Serengeti Empress, who's actually drawn very well for her running style, right? Because she she's the outside most speed, and she's going to want to try to get to the front. And she is a total feast or famine 
Four wins in seven starts And the other three races She's not been close And just take the two races at Churchill Downs For an example As a small microcosm of her career In the Pocahontas She wins by 19 And then in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies She's nowhere to be found And she's beaten by 17 So she's that type of filly Where that When things go well for her She is so good When When she maybe doesn't get things her own way It She's backed up Now she's had some issues But they've come back She's scoped clean And she will have a major say in this race In one way shape or form or another In that she might be the quickest She and with the outside draw She, she should be trying to gun And get over And try to save as much ground as possible Then you have Restless Rider What do you do with this Consistent filly, huh? She has just one race this year, and perhaps she has the most to gain. Second start off the bench. She had plenty of foundation as a two-year-old last year. She's never run a bad race, but she's starting to have a little bit of a, a, a hang in her. Right? She should have won the Golden Rod. She should have won the Ashland. Both of them, she loomed up and she hung a little bit. Even in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, when Jay Walk was good, she starts to loom up, Restless Rider. She looks like she's going to go by and then she hangs a little bit. So I'm not talking about hang when you're running set. There's no knocks in running second in these graded stakes races when you're, you know, running a big race and still beating eight, ten other horses. But with the outside draw, I, I think it'll actually help her a little bit because she, to me, seems to be right there with. Champagne anyone in that She might be the most versatile I could see Restless Rider winning this race In different ways If they went kind of slow Early on and she sat a nice trip Or if they went really fast and she came from far Out of it and I think that's why I like Champagne anyone the most and Restless Rider Second because I I Feel like they are the horses who Could win this race if it Plays out in different ways some of the others here, if you're a stone cold closer, you need that fast pace. If you're one of the horses who have a lot of pace, you need things to go smoothly for you. You need to not get caught in a bad spot. I think those two fillies have the best opportunity no matter what happens. So the way I approach the Oaks, I have the 10, Champagne Anyone, on top of the 14, Restless Rider, on top of the 2, Chocolate Kisses, on top of the 4, Bella Fina, on top of the 12 street band Whew That was a mouthful, huh? Lot, lot of Gino in this episode Let's get you the uh, the late pick 5 And some of the late wagers And then we'll get out of here Remember folks, if you can It would do me such a big favor If you can get to iTunes If you subscribe to the show Every time there's a show It'll automatically deliver to you And then they ask you If you can leave a 5 star rating And a review If you can just click that 5 star And leave a little comment Like we like Gino Or Gino helped me win Or Gino made me lose money But I still like him Anything at all Those 5 star ratings And the reviews And the comments They're really big help They help us um, Jump up the iTunes charts They Kind of help us As far as advertising Because then We are put up Um Higher on the charts obviously And we are compared to other sports And entertainment shows So really big help if, I'll always try to do all of these shows And everything I can for free And so the only thing I'll ask of you Is if you can, the payment Go give me a nice little, uh, iTunes 5 star rating and review Okay, uh, let's go Pick 5 7th race to close things out At Churchill 
1-5. That's uh, McKenzie and Bourbon Resolution with 1-8-9 in the uh, the Latro, or, or excuse me, excuse me, with 1-2-4-8-9. She's a Julie Blue Prize um, uh, Emma Golden Award and Secret Spice. One, two, seven, eleven in the ninth race at Churchill Downs. That is American Tattoo, Rugby Man, Solid Wager, and Tis Mischief. I have them in order 11, 2, 7, 1. In the seventh race, or excuse me, in the uh, tenth race, which is the Twin Spires Turf Sprint. 6-9. All we need, 6-9. World of Trouble, Will Call. You want to go a little deeper, you can use uh, Undrafted, but I'm just going to go 6-9. And then in the 14th, in the Oaks, to close it out, depending on how deep you want to go, right? The two horses that I will use everywhere, 10-14. I'm going to use two 10-14 on some other tickets, and then I'll probably play another ticket where I will go 2-4-10-12-12. 14. Maybe throw Lady Apple in um, as a longer shot if I can kind of shorten up with some of the horses I like before. But for me, I, I'll probably be closing out many tickets. Hopefully, I'll be alive closing out many tickets with Champagne Anyone, Restless Rider, Chocolate Kisses, maybe a few with Bellafina, but not many, and then uh, Street Band, who I also think has a shot at a price. Thank you so much, folks. And remember, That's what G said. When you subscribe right now on iTunes, you will get the Kentucky Derby preview show immediately sent to you. The goal is to have that one out by Wednesday evening. So I'm all done with the two, or I'm all done with the uh, Kentucky Oak stuff now. Now it's time to go start handicapping all the Derby undercard replays and uh, we'll talk Derby. Thanks again, folks. Make sure iTunes, get those five-star ratings in and reviews in. That's what G said. Joey Cleveland, take it away.